to celebrate 20 years of Cape Talk. Here's one of your favorite personalities from the last two decades. 20 years of Cape Talk. Join the conversation. It's been an amazing ride, has it not, where we have been remembering some incredible, incredible stories over the last 20 years. By now, you know that Cape Talk is celebrating its 20th birthday month in the month of October. And if you've just found out, welcome to the party. We've been reflecting on one big story the station covered since 1997. And today, our focus is on 2010. Who could forget these celebrations around our various cities during the 2010 World Cup? Uh, earlier, we spoke to Aidan Thomas, for my Cape Talk host and the current host of The Breakfast on Heart FM. I started the conversation by asking him about the broadcast he did on the red open top bus on the first day of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. It was the most incredible ride. And, and looking back at uh, World Cup 2010, the story, of course, started a hang of a lot earlier. So it started with the first failed Olympic bid or the, the first failed uh, bid to, to host the World Cup. And that very many people had said was a sign. We, we were punching way above our weight. We, we were a little lightweight in terms of our offering. And that to many was a sign that we should step back and just never try this again. Come the second bid and we're successful. The, the naysayers, the, the doom and gloom crowd, they hogged the airwaves, giving every reason for why it would never work, why we'd, we would never construct stadiums, uh, stadium in time. Uh, the fact that um, we weren't 100% operational by uh, the the time the precursor event, which which happens a year before, uh, when when we weren't ready for that, for instance, Cape Town Stadium wasn't done. People was like, "Oh, come on, it'll never happen. It'll never happen." Plan B. There was this much talked about Plan B. So so that was the background. That that was the. A, a lot of the vibe and the feel and the angst and the annoyance and the anger and the misgiving at the time. Come day one of that World Cup, we're on top of a bus cruising the streets of Cape Town, broadcasting. There was just a different mood. It was almost as if we woke up and thought, damn it, it's finally a year. And, and just to see the, the jubilation, the euphoria, it, it was almost as if the, the, there was a sense of national pride that completely overshadowed any of what the naysayers had, had had to say. And it's almost as if with, with waking up that morning, that era had come to an end, that chapter had closed, or those people had lost validity and credibility. And suddenly this, this Mzanzi type magic that we're able to lay on in this country, that came shining on through. For four weeks, we couldn't put a foot wrong. For four weeks, we got it bang, spot on every single time. The two controversies, uh, just in preparing for this discussion, the only two things I can think of that, that in any way hogged the headlines that were negative. One was a goal that England scored that was disallowed. <laughs> that was a refereeing thing. It wasn't even us. Uh, and Paris Hilton's plane blocked a runway and planes couldn't land in Durban. Once again, that had nothing to do with us. And in everything. Fact, was she not arrested for having weed or something? Or something. something. But, but of all yeah, something. but it, it, it was... <laughs> I mean, with, with, with people forecasting, predicting, prophesying everything that could have gone wrong, those are the only two things I can think of all these many years later. And, and once again, that had nothing to do with our bad planning or our inability to lay on an event. Even the criminals behaved during 2010. Crime came down. You know, we, we had this long school holiday. People at that point, remember, schools were closed for the full month. People were saying, ah, oh, it's the worst thing ever, you know, unleashing 
hundreds of thousands of, of, of youth onto the street. There'll be chaos and mayhem and madness. None of it came to fruition. 2010 was, was, it was the biggest jaw I think this country has ever seen. I, it certainly was the biggest jaw I've been part of. I uh, was at 13 games in total. Oh, wow. Very many in Cape Town. Spent a lot of time uh, in Port Elizabeth. Uh, enough for me never, ever had to have to go back there again. <laughs> every every other weekend I drove down to PE. I was at games in Bloom. Uh, I was at a quarterfinal, a semifinal, third, fourth place playoff, and then also the finals. So I did I did that World Cup proper. And the fact that, that our studios are on the fan mile, you know, it, it presented us with opportunities, those clients, those listeners ahead of some key events. Uh, in, in some cases, not that management were fully aware, but some after parties were staged in the building <laughs> after some of those evening events. It, it was just an incredibly good time to, to be a broadcaster, to be at Cape Talk, but to be part of, of this national phenomenon of, of just feel good, Euphoria, jubilation, celebration. I, I don't think we've had anything subsequent to it that, that could, could even match it or, or parallel it. Uh, but it, it was just incredible to have been part of that experience at the time. Without a doubt, one of my fondest memories was the run of 16 match between Germany and Argentina. And there were 300,000 people on the fan wall. Mm-hmm. Remember, the stadium only fits 65,000, but people came out in their scores. And I was lucky enough to have a seat 10 rows behind Maradona a and angry Diego Maradona. Unbelievably <laughs> squirm and just shrink basically. Almost in that implode. Time. Yeah, Completely. they were massacred Do you by have Germany. Any I suppose fondest memories of that period. A, a lot of it had to do with with meeting people. L- less about the games. I, I was at I was in the rain, for instance. I was at Cape Town Stadium uh, when Portugal played Korea. It was seven one, you know. And and I walked out, and and a colleague of ours uh, at at the the station at the time who worked in sales, I bumped into him afterwards, and he said, "I was there." You know, that it, it was, we, we were part of that magic. So, so seeing some of the biggest names in the world at that point who had come to South Africa, that was awesome. But, but for me, the standout moments were the times before a game, after a game, or traveling to a game, just meeting people. There, there, there was, there was the sense that everybody could potentially be a friend. You know, you would just launch into discussion, you know, at a filling station on the way to Bloom. You'd see a bunch of people in soccer shirts, they're from another country, potentially speak a different language. Oh, which games have you seen and, and, and which ones do you have tickets for? And, you know, it, it, it was a, almost a bit of a hustle for, okay, well, I'll take your tickets if you can take mine. Remember that drama? We got all these cheap tickets mm. and they had to pay the big money. So mm. they, they were, they had good tickets to bad games um, and were trying to palm off those good tickets you know, for, for bad tickets to the good games, because we were paying 140 bucks a go as, as South Africans. So th- there was a lot of that kind of stuff, the horse trading, the banter, you know, you'd, you'd walk into a pub somewhere, a restaurant, suddenly football, but the community surrounding football were, were being celebrated. You know, it was fair game just to launch into discussion with anybody. Um, and, and that's my enduring memory. Yeah, there were, there were some incredible moments being in the stands and, and, and being part of games, you know, a final, a semi-final. You, you, you never get those opportunities again. You know, I, I can't imagine myself firstly getting a ticket, much less so paying for a ticket uh, in US dollars or pounds or, or in Qatar. you know, wherever. Um, so, so yeah, th- those, those were standard moments, but the magic moments were just interacting with the world in, in our country, in our city at the time. 
an important element to us being awarded the World Cup was that there was going to be a legacy to the World Cup. It's seven years down the road. What would be the elements to celebrate as far as legacy is concerned? Okay, now, if you believe there was a legacy attached to that World Cup, <laughs> then you fell for the hype. Um, we, we, we do things, we do things in this country, I think, um, to display political correctness. Uh, we, we, we try and put our best foot forward as far as all of that's concerned. I, I was always of the view that, that the legacy issues, whatever they were, we were supposed to have developed football at grassroots level. We were supposed to have done all sorts of things. Money would have been taken uh, from the profit that FIFA had made and be plied back locally. I, I was, I was never confident that that would happen. That was just a nice thing to say as part of the pitch. Um, we've, we, as a result as a city, we have a fabulous stadium that, that we don't utilize efficiently. I don't think as, as part of the legacy for Cape Town, for instance, we've, we've embraced that stadium, uh, in the way that, uh, that we need to. Uh, it, it still irks me that I have to go to an unsafe stadium like Nealand's Rugby to go and watch either Curry Cup or, or Super Rugby or as we saw uh, just a while ago, the Springboks and, uh, and the All Blacks at Newlands. Um, it's, it's, it irks me. That, that we will cling to something substandard when we have something magnificent. It's not a football stadium. It's a stadium that was, yeah, perhaps commissioned and had risen out of the earth as a result of the World Cup. But that's an asset for the city of Cape Town, for all of us uh, to be able to enjoy. So so part of our legacy, uh, or part of their legacy, I think, is is also allowing what had been put in place to come into its own. We We, we need to step forward. And move with the times as we develop as a city, um, as opposed to cling to, to what used to work, what, what had been, uh, what was good enough then. Um, I, I think that's, that's perhaps the, the one enduring legacy for, for me out of that World Cup. Aidan, thank you very much. It was great having you as the breakfast show host on Cape Talk all those many years ago, celebrating along with the rest of South Africa mm. as far as the 2010 World Cup is concerned. And, and thanks very much and, uh, happy birthday to, just an absolutely phenomenal radio station. I'm I'm very proud of my involvement. I I listen as as often as I can. I still switch John Matham off when he becomes annoying in the afternoons. I mean, none of that has changed. So yeah, you know, may it grow from strength to strength, and long, long may it be on the airwaves. Aidan Thomas there, former host of this show on Cape Talk, now host of The Breakfast Show on Heart FM. Uh, just hearing the discussion on 2010 World Cup reminded me of the bus going through Johannesburg with the players and the huge jubilant crowds that turned out. I'm not a South African sports fan, but I was caught up in the excitement too, says says Sai on the, um, the SMS line. Uh, <laughs> Raymond saying, uh, 2010, I was arrested for being drunk behind the wheel while celebrating. I will never forget that. That, says Raymond. Apparently, he was kept in the cells in Athlone. Joining us on the line now is Matthew Booth, a former Bafana Bafana defender and obviously part of the team in 2010. Matthew, you must have wonderful memories of 2010. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Africa. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm certainly one that's uh, one of many that's still suffering from withdrawal symptoms. Um, it was a fantastic time, and just I was uh, I will be forever grateful that um, you know I was able to take part in the World Cup, um, but also you know right here on our doorstep, um, which was which was fantastic. 
Because as Aiden was saying not too long ago, the, the magic of those four weeks was that we could not put a foot wrong. All of the headlines were all positive stories. South Africans were loving each other and welcoming of the people of the world. And most importantly, the beautiful game of soccer was uh, at its most spectacular. Yeah, for us, it was not only the four weeks. Um, us as players, we, we spent um, most of the year training and preparing for it. Uh, we spent four weeks in Brazil, uh, I think a couple of weeks in Germany, and a lot of camping and training in South Africa. Um, I don't think I ever had a six-pack before or, or after. <laughs> um, but there was a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of training, hard work, a lot of sweat and uh, blood and tears. And, um, you know, um, getting to that stage, um, I, re- I remember distinctly the, the criticism coming from the Palms and the Yanks about how we were going to fail and what to expect, you know. Uh, there was that famous incident with, I think, Sky Sports where they went into the one jail cell in, in, in Cape Town Stadium and um, to show the, the, the English fans, you know, where they might end up, you know. That sort of negativity, I think, was um, um, great to put at rest. Or, and, and we truly showed them, um, you know, what we were capable of from an organization point of view. And I think anyone that traveled out here um, just had a, a great time. And and uh, I think as South Africans, we could re- be really proud of that. We certainly can. Matthew, thank you very much for your contribution to that team and more importantly, to the game of soccer in South Africa. Yeah, no problem. Um, you know, soccer, football has been giving me a lot uh, in life and um, yeah, it's time to give back now. And um, yeah, it's certainly a period of time where we can always look back uh, fondly on. Matthew Booth, former Bafana Bafana defender and part of that squad in 2010 that brought us such joy and such jubilation as South Africa hosted still, I think, the most profitable uh, World Cup that FIFA has ever, ever hosted.